Hi, Misfits. This is Kevin. And this is Kate. Welcome to Horrorwood. So I know that this is your case, but yes. before you start, we have a Patronian shout Patronian. out and she is another international Ooh. Patronian. She's a misfit murderino. Oh. It's very exciting. Uh, so she, I believe is Polish. Okay. And so I looked up the pronunciation of her name and if I get it wrong, you can email me and yell at me because I'm doing my best. So Agata Osheska. Agata Osheska. Thank you so much for signing up Thank as you. a Misfit Murderino. That's awesome. We are so excited. You're going to get a little fall gift package <gasps> from gift us in a package. few weeks. And uh, yeah, so thank you again, Agata Osheska. You're amazing. You're amazing. We love you. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Oh, okay. Kate. <laughs> <laughs> That's also, all I had to say. Your birthday was super fun, by the way. Thank you for coming, and thank you time. for that Sephora gift. Oh my card. god! Of course, I my face is currently slathered in <laughs> Sephora <laughs> treats. I don't know what to call them. Sephora sponsor us, please. It was a lot of fun. I had like literally no plans whatsoever, except for just like getting a drink and maybe going and getting pizza, mm-hmm. which we didn't even do. No, but, <laughs> but it was so fun. Were amazing. Yes, our neighbors came up, and then they invited us down and. They grilled out for us, and we sat on the backyard, and the dogs played, and it was super fun. Oh, yay. Yay. Well, Kate, now let's talk about something less fun. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. That sounds like that lady. Did you ever see the YouTube clip of the grape lady? Have I mentioned this before? You've mentioned it no less than 74 times. I love it. (laughs) The thing is, I love it so much. It's up there with, like, old maiden type of shoes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) stop. Oh, 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 I can't, oh, I can't breathe. That poor woman, that had to hurt really bad, but. I think you used to dub smash that. I think I did, too. Remember dub smash? So dub smash is still around, but. It's not what it used to be. I downloaded it okay. like when I during the pandemic when I started thinking I was going to be a TikTok influencer. Okay, love that for you. Well, it didn't happen. I didn't know how to influence let's, people. On let's TikTok. just say uh, the content that I was coming up with was not what I would particularly buy for myself. It was old <laughs> maiden type of content. Okay, no, I'm kidding. I see. I'm sorry. It wasn't good. It okay. was f- fun. But, but you tried it. I tried it and I was like, I don't think this is for me. But my first TikTok was a dub smash of Erin Brockovich. Amazing. When she's like, I'm not talking to you, bitch. <laughs> In the office. I feel like we bonded over dub smash because you told me about it. And then like, I became obsessed <laughs> watching your dub smash videos. I loved dub smash. Maybe I should look at it again. You it were was really fun. good at it. It was fun. Yeah. Anywho, okay, Kate, the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yes. Have you heard of this place? Absolutely. Have you been there? I have not been there. Nor do I think I really want to go. I don't think you want to go either. 
Yeah. I know some people who are like, I've got to get in there, but I don't feel that neat. That's Frankie. Hold on. No worries. Listeners, that's actually a ghost (laughs) that has followed us from the Cecil Hotel. Let me see if I can just let her in here and see how she does. Okay. So, Kate. Yes. The Cecil Hotel is located in downtown Los Angeles on South Main Street. Are Mm -hmm. you familiar with downtown? Yes. Okay. The 19-floor Beau Arts style hotel boasted 700 rooms and was originally meant for visitors to LA on business. 700 rooms? 700 That's a rooms. lot of rooms. Okay. It was uh, originally like supposed to be this great destination spot for tourists. Mm-hmm. The lobby is really beautiful. It's got marble floors and a grand staircase. Ooh. It's very, yeah, it was very cool. Kind of very Art Deco as well. Yeah. So it was built by William Hanks. Sorry. I'm going to take that back. Okay. It was built by William Banks Hanner for around $1 million and opened its doors on December 20th, 1924. Okay. I actually thought it was uh, a little older, but okay. Yeah. And only five years after the hotel opened, the United States endured the Great Depression. Mm. And it quickly became a budget hotel that attracted a wealth of what were called, at the time, like undesirables. Right, right. Not now, of course. Right. But this included sex workers, drug dealers, and the homeless. People who were just down on their luck that needed a place to stay. Yeah. For cheap. Yeah. In 2011, the hotel tried to rebrand as a stay on Main hotel, mm-hmm. but management left a lot of the original Cecil signage up uh-huh. at the time. The hotel was a mix of long-term residents and guests looking for affordable rooms, and rebranding was difficult because of the Cecil status as affordable housing. Right. Like, it's it's tough to kind of balance the two. Like, you have people staying there who are in need. Sure. Who can get a really, you know, good room for a cheap amount of money, and then you have, like, guests, people coming in. Like, they were trying to be housing and a and hotel. And a hotel. And it just, it doesn't seem that it's a model that really works today. Mm-hmm. I think it worked better, you know, back when it first opened and during the Great Depression era. But, but not I'll get into, so much anymore. Not so much anymore. It sounds like previous owners wanted to do more around the rebranding, but it was a protected low-income building. And you can't simply just force those residents out of Right. There. The rebranding didn't really help the hotel's reputation as it was on Skid Row. More, mm-hmm. I'm going to go into that shortly. Yeah. And the building was designated as a historic cultural monument by the city of Los Angeles in 2017. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So over the years, there have been a wealth of different murders, suicides, Ooh. and alleged paranormal events. Eek. Eek. It also housed some pretty interesting people, including multiple, you heard that right, multiple serial Serial killers. killers. I don't know why we said that so happily, because it's horrible. (laughs) We said it like, woohoo. No, not at all. They're terrible people, and I'm going to tell you about them. Great. In my research, I found this great description of the Cecil Hotel in an article by Emma Dibden for Town and Country magazine, oddly enough. (laughs) 
It doesn't. Yeah. I know, right? I don't associate a serial killer hotel with town, with and, town country, and country. But, but she she wrote a pretty like intense article. I think it was right after the Netflix documentary came oh, out, which sure. I'll talk about in just a second. Yeah. So she writes about L.A. and the Cecil Hotel. Quote: To walk around downtown Los Angeles is to see ghosts. Even mm-hmm. on a crisp, bright Sunday morning, they're impossible to miss. Miss. <laughs> ruined that i'm gonna take that back i loved it let's keep okay yeah, it was great. <laughs> the ghost of a thriving financial district once dubbed the wall street of the west mm-hmm. now abandoned mm-hmm. the ghost of a beloved streetcar system that was ripped out in the 1960s leaving la dependent on congested freeways and if you believe in this sort of thing there are also the ghosts of all those who suffered and died at the hotel cecil whose checkered history is the subject of the new Netflix documentary crime scene, Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And I will say those L.A. freeways are no No joke. joke. Like, you will be on them for hours. Oh, my God. It's a nightmare. And so unlike Chicago, just using that as an example Mm because we're here, downtown L.A., there's business hours and then it's dead. Whoa. Whereas like Chicago, you've got the theater district right. and you've got There's a lot of stuff, stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Not there. Not it's in... like you don't want to go down there at Yikes. night. Yeah. That's scary. At <laughs> least that's how it was when I lived there, which okay. it's been a, you know, it's been a minute, but right. it, I don't think that it has changed Gotten since then. much better. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it according to the research. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that documentary, Crime Scene Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, mm-hmm. I actually highly recommend it. Um, it's a four-part series about the hotel history and the disappearance of Elisa Lamb, which mm-hmm. I will dive deeper into shortly. Yeah. Um, so please check it out. I know, I, I heard, did you watch it? I did. I really liked it. Did you like it? I liked it, but I also felt like they were kind of... I mean, I don't know how I don't know how much is going to give this away, but I felt like they were kind of grasping at straws yes. because when they get to the reveal, if you will, I was like, well, that's a very plausible explanation, and right. and it's just like, did we really need four episodes for that? I hear you, I hear you on that, and I think yeah, I'll talk a little bit when we get to the Elisa sure. Lamb case because I think they went through a lot of different things. Anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> so Skid Row, don't please keep talking because it's your episode. <laughs> On to you, Kate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't do the research. So I want to start by talking about the history of the area where the Cecil Hotel is located, yes. which is downtown LA near Skid Row. Mm-hmm. So Skid Row is a long stretch of road running approximately 50 square blocks where a majority of people experiencing homelessness live in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. So LA once had a massive public transit system that sprawled the entire city. Uh, it was the largest electric rail- railway system in the world at the time. Oh, shit. In the early 20th century. Okay, because I was going to say, it's it is not, not that, like no, that now. That, and that's part of the problem. Exactly. So central proximity to the railway lines was a draw for the Cecil when it opened. Because mm. it was like in the middle of everything where all the railways went It was into. at the center. At the center of it all. Woo! After the freeways were built and the streetcar system was ripped out like, 
the lady said in her her mm-hmm. article, downtown sort of became an empty and pretty much dead place. Yeah, which you just mentioned it was. And the term Skid Row was coined during the railroad construction in the mid-19th century. Train tracks at the time were made from harvested logs that were sent to construction sites along Skid Roads, R-O-A-D-S. Oh, okay. Which were also built from logs. I see. So the purpose was to make it easy to keep the logs moving since the ground was just mud, basically. Mm-hmm. So they put these logs in skid roads to move gotcha. the logs I did along. not know that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So the workers on these railroads were mainly transient immigrant men. I feel like we talked about this a little bit when you talked about that one uh, hospital. The, um, yeah, the Linda Vista. The Linda Vista, yeah. So... Uh, this led to brothels and taverns sprouting up in that area because you had so many workers moving. I into mean, that sounds area. like a good time. I mean, I'd be down there too <laughs> in my red corset dress. Yeah, you would. You know, to that p- digging, ling, ling piano. Doing the Charleston. Ding, is ding, ding. With the t- uh, hey. I love when you like decide you don't want to continue the joke. Uh, but I feel like I should. And you're just like. Ooh. And then it's just silent. It's my career. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah, the brothels and taverns came up and along with single room occupancy, SRO, hotels uh, for housing. Mm -hmm. During the Great Depression, men from all over the United States began heading west in search of a living because they couldn't find anything. So why not go to the big city where there might be opportunity? Spoiler, there was not. Uh, They would eventually end up on Skid Row where they could get food and a place to sleep for a low price. I mean, just thinking about that, it's kind of like immigrants today where they just want a better life and they're just looking for a break and... Just think that you pack up everything that you know yeah. and everything that you're used to to go to this, you know, quote unquote promised land, if you will. And then nothing like either you're turned away or you're, you know, you just get shit on from every direction. And it's not what, not at all what you would expect. Yeah. And, and I mean, you get tossed around, you get thrown, told you're a piece of shit. And, and you've then- already given up Everything from your past. So it's like, then what do you do? Turn to alcohol. Oof. I mean, a lot of people did at the time. Yeah. Um, So this led to, you know, on Skid Row, because all these people were living there um, and didn't have jobs or Mm -hmm. work or anything. It led to the establishment of services, shelters, and religious missions in that area that would service low-income and homeless inhabitants okay fast forward during the 1950s and 60s a lot of the hotels in that area fell into disrepair Mm. unfortunately just as the city started to crack down on the enforcement of building safety codes oh okay great good timing right right so hotel owners found it cheaper to just demolish the hotels and rebuild them rather than just make the requested repairs Ugh. okay so then of course all those people are displaced yeah. and boom more people are out on the streets on skid row when the hotels closed because yep. it was all you know a lot of it was just single room occupancy uh, places for them to stay for mm-hmm. a cheap price. 
And as I said before, alcoholism was rampant on Skid Row. Railroad work was seasonal and scarce. So there were large swatches of time where these men would not be working and unfortunately turned to alcohol instead. Mm -hmm. I get it. Right. I do too. The 1970s also saw a change in the population on Skid Row. This is terrible. Vietnam vets eventually started to come in, and many of them were heavily addicted to drugs after seeing Mm, horrific things in the war, like, hello, PTSD, of course. Yeah, exactly. Not only this, (laughs) it just gets worse. Okay. Not only this, but hospitals serving those with mental health issues were completely Mm deinstitutionalized at this time, which we heard about with the Linda Vista Mm -hmm. Hospital. So all of those patients were thrown out onto the streets, and where did they end up? Skid On Row. Skid Row. The area became an essential hotspot for a lot of LA's displaced poor and disabled. Mm-hmm. During the 1970s, Los Angeles Mayor Tom Bradley was trying to tackle the city's homelessness issue. Right. It had just gotten crazy out of hand. Homelessness was increasing due to redevelopment and urban revitalization in other parts of the city, such as Bunker Hill at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, So Skid Row's population grew rampantly and business developers were concerned that Skid Row would screw up economic development, specifically downtown. Mm. In response to this, Mayor Bradley established the Blue Ribbon Commission to address the issue. And tell me about the Blue Ribbon Commission. Here we go. This commission recommended... Okay, so it's... I mean, I can see how this might have been a good idea, but at the same time, we'll talk about it. I was going to say, I feel like it's not a good idea. Yeah. This commission recommended the establishment of the CRA, Community Redevelopment Agency, which took and managed developers' fees to the city and generated tax increment financing, utilized those f- utilizing those fees that were charged for development to give to the homeless population. Okay. Okay, not a bad idea. In theory, I can see where they feel like that's going to help. This led to services and housing for the homeless being established on Skid Row. Mm -hmm. They essentially thought it would be better to keep people in that area and concentrate the bulk of services there so that they could work on developing other parts of the city. They did not want people to be able to go out into the other parts in the more affluent areas of Los Angeles. It was a way to round them all up in one area. And it's still like that. Yep. I mean, that's why you see all the services right there, Mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, I like the idea of diverting that money, but to just keep people wrangled and down in one area, I don't... Yeah, that's fucked up. It feels kind of gross. So that's essentially the history of Skid Row. And I got all of that information from the Skid Row Housing Trust, Mm -hmm. uh, which is doing amazing work on building affordable, low-income, dignified housing for homeless people in L.A., And the trust was founded in 1989 by business and civic leaders responding to the loss of residential hotels by preserving and rehabilitating remaining hotels. Gotcha. They got a moratorium passed at City Hall to protect the remaining residential hotels in the community at the same time. So according to their website, as of 2019, there were 254 homes in construction on 7th Street alone. Uh, they're doing amazing work. So yeah. check out skidrow.org. Okay, skidrow.org. Well, and we'll link it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's. Uh, it'll be in my yeah. notes as well. Okay, now Kate, yes. on to the strange deaths at the Cecil Ooh. Hotel. Hotel. That I, sounds like Cookie Monster. I thought that that's what you were going for, but then you stopped, and I thought you just burped. <laughs> 
And I was like, it's okay, Kevin. Me want scary stories. <laughs> Don't. I mean, I do. I'm ready for it. <laughs> the Cecil Hotel has garnered a dark reputation that spans almost a century oh. as a cursed, haunted, and scary hotel. I just realized that next year it'll be 100 years old. <gasps> yeah. Okay. 24. Okay. I'm going to go through some of the stories of the inhabitants of the hotel. This is a snapshot of just a few that I found pretty crazy. Okay. You could really write a giant book of everybody that died there. It's insane. In the 20s, just two years after its opening, Mm -hmm. a 52-year-old real estate dealer, Percy Ormond Cook, committed suicide in his room by shooting himself. Oh, This was the first in a long string of suicides. Oh, my goodness. Suicides became a recurring event at the hotel. And again, I can understand why. You have a large population of people staying there Mm -hmm. that are going through an extremely difficult time financially and personally, struggling with addiction and mental health issues. One tenant said that there there would be one to three 911 calls a day at the hotel during a 10-year stint that she lived there. One to three calls a day? A day. day. Was that in that documentary? Because that actually sounds familiar. I believe that was in the documentary. Oh, that is wild. The 1930s saw at least six reported suicides at the Cecil Hotel. Mm. These included residents taking poison, shooting themselves, slitting their own throats, and jumping out of the windows. In March of 1937, Grace E. Magro, 25, fell from a ninth floor window. She landed on telephone wires below, which were wrapped around her. She died after being taken to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were never able to figure out if her death was a suicide or accidental. I was going to ask, because when you said fell, I was like... Well, that's the thing with all these. Like, a lot of them I was looking into, and it was Mm -hmm. like, fell out of the window. Were they pushed, or were they... Did they jump? They don't know. And so a lot of these are still, like... I don't want to say cold cases because, sure. you know, it could have been suicide, but there are some in here that you're like, I but you just don't know. Knows, right? Yeah. How do you know how many stories the hotel was at that time? It is 19 floors. OK. In 1944, uh, trigger warning for this story, uh, child death. Oh, OK. So skip through a couple a minute or so. In 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell was staying at the Cecil Hotel with her 38-year-old shoe salesman boyfriend, Ben Levine. Oh, okay. It's quite the age difference. Which, I mean, they're both adults. It's all good. They're both adults. Also, this is the 40s, so... Right. She began to have abdominal pains and quietly went to the bathroom while her boyfriend slept. She gave birth to a baby boy right there in the bathroom. Dorothy nor her boyfriend knew that she was pregnant at the time. Oh, my God. She tried not to make noise and didn't say anything because she didn't want to wake him. This poor young woman. I know. After delivering the child, she thought he was dead because he seemed non-responsive. Oh, no. She opened the bathroom window (gasps) and tossed the baby out where he landed on the rooftop of the building next to the Cecil. I, I know it's it's uh, horrific. I, I An have autopsy no words. later revealed that the baby had air in his lungs <sighs> and was not actually dead when he was thrown from the window. Dorothy was tried for murder, mm. but found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. Three different criminal psychiatrists testified at the time of the trial that she was confused mentally. Mm. So, oof, that's is... a terrible story. 
awful. And also for just, I'm just thinking as a woman, not mm-hmm. even knowing I'm pregnant and then, and to be that young, cause 19, you're 19 a teenager and you don't feel well. And so you think it's just like that, you know, burrito that you had and it's a baby. Yeah. And I'm sure at this time, 1940s, there's probably no, you know, education right. around the body or sex or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. So I could understand she didn't understand, you know, know she yeah. was pregnant. And, and then you don't know what to do once that happens. Right. And oh my God. She yeah. I mean, I don't mean, to, I'm not trying to defend her actions, but. Of course not. I. I hate to say I can understand the panic in that moment of just doing something rash without thinking and and being confused. Being alone, like feeling like she couldn't talk to her guy. That's what brings. I mean, there must have. Sorry, I hit the mic. There must have been some kind of power dynamic in that relationship where she was she scared to wake him up? Right, that's the thing. I don't like that. Like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience him, even though I'm like, even though I'm a having baby. a baby. I can't. I mean, maybe she thought that. I mean, this is very speculation, sure. but maybe she thought that you know he wouldn't be okay with it, and Ugh. she just needed to get rid of it. It's terrible. I'm sorry that she was in that position. Of course. On to another horror story. In 1960, oh my God, this is awful. In 1962, a 65-year-old man, George Gianni, was walking by the Cecil Hotel when 27-year-old Pauline Otten jumped from the ninth floor after an argument with her estranged husband. Why is it always from the ninth floor? Mm, I don't know. Her fall killed both of them instantly. Oh my God. Famous serial killer Richard, Richard Ramirez. Ramirez. That guy. The night stalker. Lived at the hotel just before his capture in 1985. Mm-hmm. At the height of his killing spree. Mm-hmm. He was known as the night stalker and the valley intruder. I'd mm-hmm. never heard valley intruder before. Or maybe so- I did and I just didn't remember it. Because night stalker is just like that, you know. Right. Catches you. Catches you. Ramirez was an infamous serial killer in L.A. in the Mm mid-1980s. He was known to break into homes and attack victims in their sleep using guns, knives, and hammers. He killed a total of 13 people. He was reportedly staying on the 14th floor of the hotel for $14 per night. Mm. And that would have been like... Because if that was the 80s, what would that be today? Ooh, let's check it out. So Let's do a conversion. $14 in 1984. $41.19 today. So that's cheap. It's not bad at all for yeah. a hotel room. Whew. How long does he stay there? Um, I think he was just staying there for a few weeks. Okay, I knew it was uh, It weeks. wasn't for a long time. It's reported that after he would commit the murders, he would throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil Hotel's dumpsters and walk into the lobby either naked or only in his underwear. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And nobody, so no one batted an eye at this because of the area's reputation and the people that lived at the Cecil Hotel. And they're just like, oh, it's just another naked man. Another normal evening at the Cecil. It's just a Tuesday here. (sighs) That's an insane story, and I highly recommend the Netflix documentary, Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer. Mm -hmm. It's such a good documentary series. Uh, It follows the detectives that caught Ramirez. Yeah. They're great. So Ramirez wouldn't be the only serial killer Mm -hmm. to be arrested after a stay at the Cecil Hotel. Famed Austrian author and murderer... 
Jack Unterweger. Was he a playwright? I feel like yeah. he, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Had a stint at the Cecil as well. Unterweger, I like saying it like that, was born in central Austria in 1950 and had a criminal record from a young age. Ugh. Boo. He first assaulted a sex worker at the age of 16. What a fuckhead. Since that event, he spent a great deal of time in prison for other violent crimes. Of course he did. Yeah. In December 1974, Unterweger killed an 18-year-old Margaret Schaefer. He strangled her to death with her own bra. Oh, my God. He was caught and sentenced to life in prison in Austria. He claimed to have seen his mother's face in Schaefer's eyes as he killed her. He said that thinking it would get him some sympathy from the court. That did not happen. His mother had abandoned him when he was a child. The court did not feel bad for him. They said, "Mm, we don't care. They were, I wrote like, yay, Austrian justice. Well, and then I went back and typed, well, kind of, it gets bananas. Okay. (laughs) You'll change, I changed my tune. Okay. So while he was serving time in Stein prison, he learned to read and write after having been illiterate for most of his life. Mm. He wrote poems, stories, novels, plays, Mm. you name it. One of his books even won a literary prize in Austria in 1984. Gross. He also wrote an autobiography that shot straight to the top of the bestseller list. What was the name of his autobiography? Oh, God. I didn't write it down, but I'm going to look it up now. Okay. Uh, Jack Unterweger. You love saying it. Unterweger. Unterweger. Purgatory or the trip to jail. Report of a guilty man. <laughs> the trip to jail. <laughs> my how, my life story. How creative. <laughs> I mean, how touching. I am changed by right? that title. Kate. I mean, <laughs> I think for short it was just known as purgatory. Fegif Fegifoya Okay. Fegifoya. I don't know. I haven't taken German in a long time. I never have. It also was adapted into a movie. Oh. I think I looked, I tried to find the movie. I don't know if it's like an older film, but there is a movie. There is an Austrian movie called Jack from 2015. I think that might be. Oh, interesting. What it's called. Was it Untervega? Is that how you say it? Untervega. Untervega. Wasn't he considered possibly one of the Jack the Ripper suspects like they thought maybe he was Jack the Ripper but then they found out like he was not in Whitechapel when I think this is different time period okay that maybe that's what it I was I think that... Jack the Ripper's 1800s yeah. right and this is 1970s he's okay so we're a little ahead of that. it's okay. okay I mean we could say that <laughs> <laughs> we could just start a, a, new a reincarnated Jack the Ripper Jack Untervega Untervega <laughs> I was trying to come up with a joke and it didn't come out, Kate. I love when that happens because I just see it. I see you melt down. I wanted down. to say something funny and then I'm like, that's not funny. You're it's like, like a last minute. Ich liebe dich. Which means I love you. Oh, but that, okay. I don't love Jack Unterweger. No. Ich liebe uh, nicht. Does that mean you hate him? Yes, I guess. I don't, I don't love him. Okay. 
You can cut that out if you want to. Leaving it all in. Okay. Because of his fame and the emotional reception of his writings, Austrian intellectuals, this is where it gets gross, Austrian oh. intellectuals <laughs> and government <laughs> officials began campaigning for Untervega's early release. Gross. Right. After he strangled this woman yes. with her own bra. Margaret They're Schaefer. like, he's so smart. Well, the thing was, people saw him as an emblem of rising above circumstances and escaping your past through like rehabilitation so they were like he killed that woman but it's okay because he wrote this great book and he's amazing at writing and he can really like he learned to read he learned to write you know I just don't think it's fair that he should be in prison how old was he when he killed her he it was 1974 when he killed 18 year old Margaret Schaefer and he was born in 1950 so he was like in he was his like 24 20s yeah okay so he was an adult all right then then no he knew exactly what he was mm-hmm. doing and he can go fuck himself yep. and so can all those austrian intellectuals screw you austrian intellectual oh I sh- not all of the intellectuals there but at that time whoever was championing championing him championing him championing him thank you yeah fuck you <laughs> After 15 years in prison, which was the minimum that you had to serve for a life sentence, Mm -hmm. he was released. Four months after his release, another sex worker was found dead. What do you know? Color me shocked. Color me pink. She she had, is that a saying? Color Mm -hmm. me pink? No, but it could be. I like it. We could start it. She had been strangled with her undergarments. Of course. Seven more sex workers turned up dead and strangled in the same manner. Oh my goodness. It didn't seem like anyone was pointing the finger at Untervega because of his newfound literary fame. They thought it was someone else or they thought they knew he did it, but they were like, well, but he's a good guy now. So no, we're I think gonna... they thought it was someone else. Okay. I think he had done it once and gotten caught. Mm-hmm. And then maybe this was like either coincidental or some kind of copycat. I see. Um, because they just couldn't fathom that he would kill again right. after being rehabilitated. Because a murderer never thinks about doing a it murderer again. Never kills again in the same spot. And people are like, "Well, he did it one time. He he said he's not going to do it again." <laughs> I mean, he said he's not going to kill again. You, you guys, guys so... it's fine. And you guys, he wrote poems, so obviously. He's innocent. Right. So he established himself as a journalist as well and began covering the murders. Of course he did. He even interviewed Vienna's chief of police and wrote several articles about the killings. Because who's going to know more about the murders than him? Than the murderer. Gross. His journalistic endeavors brought him to Los Angeles where he was going to investigate and write on the awful conditions for sex workers in America. Oh, God. And he checked into where, Kate? I'm going to guess he checked into the Cecil Hotel, Hotel Cecil. While he was in L.A., three sex workers were murdered. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Kevin. Go on. I'm going to guess that while he was in L.A., the killings of the sex workers in Austria stopped. Probably, yes. What do you think? How were they killed? I'm going to guess... With their undergarments. Correct, Kate. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Strangled with their own bras. The body count was rising and people were starting to get suspicious, both in the U.S. and in Austria. Mm-hmm. He went abroad and killings like that started happening and everyone was like, ah, oh, fuck. They were like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> right. That po- guy just likes to write <laughs> poems. What's going on? Police in L.A. matched the murders to Unterweger's stay there. 
And he knew they were onto him, so he began to like flee to various cities in the U.S. and Europe. And he was finally caught and arrested in Miami in 1992. Jeez, he was just all over the place. He was. He like went to France and world traveler. World traveler. And he had the money to do it because of his newfound literary fame. Because of all the poems. Right. The poems and the... The plays. The rehabilitation. I'm on the other side of it. The FBI caught him by... And this is where the ego always fucks with these bitches. Mm -hmm. The FBI caught him by contacting him about a fake interview with Success Magazine where they would pay him $10,000 to hear his story. Hear his story as the murderer? Or here. I think just in general, I don't think it was like, tell us about the murders. I think he was just like, about his story as like a rehabilitated I criminal. See. Okay. He took the bait mm-hmm. and went down hard. He was extradited back to Austria, convicted, sent back to prison, and he hanged himself on the night of his conviction on June 29th, 1994. Oh, wow. That feels pretty recent. I know. You know, when like when you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. it, like it, it feels far away, feels so far away. But then you say 1994 mm-hmm. and it's like, well, that was just last week. Yes, it was, Kate. And, and a few decades. A few decades <laughs> ago. OK, so oh, I'm going to sneeze. Do it. Do it. Remember when you sneezed and you like leaned right into the mic to do it? Is it going to happen? You're like, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> you were like mid sentence. My dad used to sneeze in the weirdest way. He would just be standing there and like he would like open his mouth and his <laughs> tongue would pop out a little. Gross. And his eyes kind of like rolled up in his head and he was like <laughs> I can't look at you. Stop doing that. You? Oh my god. We don't talk very much anymore. Oh. Anyway, a few other notable guests at La Cicel Hotel mm-hmm. include the Hillside Stranglers, mm. two serial killing cousins, Angelo Buono and Kenneth Bianchi. Yep. They were responsible for the murders of at least 10 women in the LA area. And we're going to do a whole episode on them, if not a multi part. Yeah. I didn't want to jump too far because I yeah. knew we would want to go into it. Yeah. That's all you get now, listeners. The next one was J- uh, Josef uh, Fritzl. I've heard of this guy. I forgot oh, what his name was. It's another Austrian serial killer that imprisoned and raped his daughter for 24 years. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. At the hotel? No. He stayed at the Cecil in the mid-1980s. Okay. These are people that didn't like do stuff there. While they were While they were there, there okay. but they were people who killed. Gotcha. Another uh, guest, Goldie Osgood, was a 65-year-old telephone operator. She was found dead in her room at the Cecil. Oh. Her room had been trashed, and she was raped before (gasps) suffering a fatal stabbing and beating. Oh, my God. This case was never solved. Oh, that's awful. I read... Um, a portion of her story and it sounds like she was just a really sweet woman they called her like Pidgey, Pigeon Goldie Allswood because she like fed the pigeons Aww, like the woman in Home Alone yeah, too, yeah, lost yeah. in New York yeah and she was just down on her luck later in life and living at the Cecil Hotel and someone just broke in and murdered her Actress Elizabeth Short, who was brutally murdered and came to be known as the Black Dahlia, was last seen at the nearby Biltmore Hotel. She allegedly visited the bar at the Cecil Hotel three days before she was killed. Okay. I think this is just a coincidence. It feels like a stretch to mention it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't someone who was in that area. Sure. 
Also, the Skid Row Slasher stayed at the hotel. Oh. Uh, his name was Vaughn Oren Greenwood, and he started killing in 1964. He preyed on transient and homeless men on Skid Row. His victims were ritually posed by Greenwood after they were dead. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Uh, with salt sprinkled around their bodies and cups of blood placed <gasps> nearby. What? Yeah. He would stab his victims, and the wounds were then, you know, surrounded by strange markings that he would, like, carve into them. What? Yeah. I've never I've heard never of heard this heard case. Of this. Yeah. The police at the time created a profile of the killer when they were finding these men dead. Uh-huh. And again, Kate, he's killing homeless people. So at the time, I'm sure no one gave a shit. They probably, yeah, they did not care. Yeah. But cups the, of blood. I'm still stuck on the I cups know, of blood and the salt. Gross, and the salt, some kind of weird ritual. Oh my God. The police at the time created a profile a white man in his late 20s or early 30s, six feet tall, 190 pounds, with shoulder-length stringy blonde hair. A psychiatric profile described him as a sexually impotent coward, venting his own feeling of worthlessness on hapless derelicts and down-and-outers. Ugh. This was very wrong and kind of laughable that the police were thinking of this. Right. Greenwood was a 32-year-old black man, non-impotent, a loner, and a homosexual. Okay. He was convicted on nine counts of first-degree murder, slashing the throats of nine transients as they slept. He is suspected of killing at least 13 people. There Oof. were two in there, or a few in there, that the jury couldn't... They weren't sure if it was connected to connect, him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was sentenced to 32 years to life in prison on January 19th, 1977. I believe he's still in prison oh, from wow. what I was looking up. Insane story. I yeah. never heard of that. I didn't go super deep on it, but I kind of want to look into like what those rituals were. I, I just, I've never heard of the whole cups of blood thing and the salt. Yeah, that's, that's gross. I don't know where, what, where that comes from, like yeah. what that stems from. I don't either. So of all the strange deaths and suicides and murders, the story that puzzles the mo- that puzzles us the most is of Canadian student Elisa Lamb. Mm-hmm. On January 28th, 2013, a 21-year-old lamb checked into the Cecil Hotel on a trip to Los Angeles. She was on a solo trip and planned to check out on February 1st after a four-day stay. Contact with Elisa's family stopped on January 31st on her first day. She was staying in touch with them pretty much every yeah. day. Her family reported her missing to the police the following day. Investigators started looking into the disappearance and discovered some startling video evidence. It shows Lamb on one of the hotel's elevators. Which if you've seen the documentary, you've seen the this, elevator video. this video. Yeah. It's everywhere. I'll say my thoughts in a second. But yeah, sure. Ahead. I'm going to describe the video because I rewatched it in full a couple yeah. times just to... Oh, it's so weird. So she enters the elevator wearing a red jacket and bends down, down to press multiple buttons. Mm-hmm. She stands there then pokes her head out of the elevator. It honestly, to me, looks like she's trying to hide from something. It does appear that way Mm -hmm. in the video. Or something is going on out there in the lobby that she can hear. You know, I don't know which one. Um, She's hesitant to look out. She then steps out of the elevator and to the left. And she kind of goes out of frame for a little bit, but you can still see her like her right arm. Mm -hmm. It looks like she's talking to someone out of sight of the camera. Mm -hmm. The doors of the elevator remain open and aren't closing. They're just open. Mm -hmm. 
She re-enters the elevator and starts pressing more buttons. And then she begins gesticulating kind of strangely and like moving her hands around. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it looks like if she's talking to someone off camera. So detectives and hotel staff were unable to locate Elisa Lamb after she went missing. The odd behavior on the video is concerning, but no one had been able to find her. Weeks after she was last heard from, guests at the Cecil Hotel start to complain about low water pressure and yucky, discolored water that tastes gross. On February 20th, 2013, a hotel worker went to check the water tanks on the rooftop. He moved the 20-pound lid, and there was Elisa's body floating face up. She was reportedly naked, and her clothing was found in the tank with her. It was the clothes she was wearing in the elevator video. Her death was ruled as an accidental drowning. Mm-hmm. Elisa had struggled, and this is something I forgot to put in there, but I'm going to mention it now. Yeah. Why would her clothes be off? Mm-hmm. You know, some people that think she was murdered, you know, think maybe she was assaulted, but that was never proven. Right. And when you jump into that water would have been fucking cold sure so when you jump into cold water like that you're probably going to go hypothermic and when you get hypothermia your body tries to in, like you know heat you up so it's going to feel like you're really hot mm-hmm. um so that would you know probably be why she would take off her clothes anyway i just want to interject that really quick okay so elisa had struggled with her mental health and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder mm-hmm Several theories came to light about how Lamb ended up in that water tank. Some theories stated that she succumbed to some kind of foul play or murder by a hotel worker or resident. But none of those theories can be proven. There's just no proof. There was a heavy lid that sat atop the water tank. It was found closed and it was said it would be impossible for her to close that by herself. Once she jumped in the water. However, a hotel maintenance worker confirmed in that Netflix documentary Mm -hmm. that he found it open and closed it before police came. Yes. So it was open. Some even went the paranormal route, mm-hmm. uh, noting the similarities of the case to the movie Dark Water, mm-hmm. which I think is a Japanese movie that was made into that was the, where they do the American remake with right. Jennifer Connelly. I've seen it; it's a pretty good movie. I love that you picked up your glass to okay. take a drink of water, and I was—I didn't even think about that. But then, did you see me miss the straw yes. by like a couple of inches? And I was like, "Why am I not and getting I'm any like, water?" Kate, that water's tainted. Oh no! The movie has the same plot as the occurrence of what happened to Elisa. It's about a dead girl being found in the water tank at the top of an apartment complex. One theory that permeated the internet when this case was hap- was active mm-hmm. was that Lamb had been playing the infamous elevator game. What is that? So I'm going to actually tell you the whole whole game. Okay. And feel free if you need to cut it out later, but I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So the elevator game originated in Korea, and it's said that it gives you access to another world. Oh. Step one, find a building with at least 10 floors. Make sure to be alone And that no one else joins you in the elevator throughout this process. Otherwise, you have to start over. I'm just going to preface this. If anyone tries this, do so safely. I don't know where this is going. So just like. Oh, yeah. Don't. I mean, this is superstition. This is like. um, This has never been. I've watched tons of YouTube videos of people doing this game. And there's a 
a TV show, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans. Right. It's pretty popular. And they did a special at the Cecil Hotel and played the elevator game. Okay. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do it personally. But I just want to put that out there because we never want to be like, hey, you should try, should this. try this. And then no. someone does and something so, happens. So, yeah, don't do it. But I'm going to tell you about how to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, step three, press the button to get to the fourth floor. Don't get out. Then go to the second floor, sixth floor, second floor, and then to the tenth floor. Do not get out on any of these floors. Then go to the fifth floor. There, a young woman will come into the elevator with you. Do not speak or look at her, even though she may look familiar to you. Ooh, that's creepy. Then press the first floor. If you press to go to the first floor, but the elevator goes to the 10th floor, stay on the elevator. You're still in the game. Oh. If you press to go to the first floor, but the elevator goes to the first floor, then exit the moment the doors open, but don't say anything and do not look back. Oh. Once you reach the 10th floor, you can choose to get off or stay. If you choose to get off, the woman from step four may ask you a question and even call out your name. Do not answer her. No, thank you. I won't. Step nine. Now you have reached the other world. To know for sure you are, the sign is that you are the only person there. I've also heard, it doesn't say this, but I've heard that once you get there, like the doors open and you can look out and see a red cross, like a, like a emblem. And it, you're just alone by yourself in the other world. Here's why I would lose the elevator game. Because that is so many numbers I to know, remember. I wouldn't remember. I I would be like, uh, this is the third floor. I think I think I just get off here. Is this is this where my room is? And then a lady is like, Hey Kate, and you turn around and you're like, Shut up, bitch. And then I And like, then you die. I don't, <laughs> that took a really <laughs> abrupt dark turn. I love it. I should have stayed on the elevator. I should have stayed on the elevator. Kate's lost in the other world. Oh, man. How to return. Oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So there's hope. You can get back. Great. Don't even worry about it. But also be worried about it. Oh, okay. Return to the same elevator you came from and press the same order of buttons mentioned before. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Finishing at the fifth floor. Once you're at the fifth floor, press the button for the first floor. However, this will cause the elevator to go to the 10th floor. Why? So you must press any other floor button to stop it from going to the 10th floor before reaching there. Once you're on the first floor, make sure everything around you is all right. If something is not normal, remain on the elevator and repeat step two. I am lost in eternity. So I had a doctor's appointment the other day. And you played this game in the office. No, because I would not have known how. But... It was literally you go up to you go up there on the elevator, you take a left turn on the hallway, there's the office. I got lost going out. So I literally walked right past those elevators as I exited. Yeah. Said bye to reception mm-hmm. and then just had no idea where I was. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> roamed around and Rather than help me, she just kind of kept staring at me. And I was like, where do I, is it? And then I see the elevators like literally 10 feet from where I just was. And I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. Bye again. Thank you. Have a good day. I would lose the elevator game. Oh, man. That's tough, Kate. Don't 
do it. And listeners, don't do it. I might try it one day. I know I'm not going I know to. You're, yes, you are. I can so tell. authorities in the case, event- so back to Elisa Lam. That mm-hmm. was the elevator game. I just thought it was a really interesting piece of information yeah. and wild. It's like a dark web. Like, I've also never heard of it. type thing. Yeah. So authorities in the case eventually ruled that the death was an accident caused by withdrawal from Lamb's prescribed medication for her bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. There was no other evidence of physical harm or trauma. Lamb took Welbutrin, which is an antidepressant, the anticonvulsant Lamotrigdine, Lamotrigdine maybe, and anti-epileptic and mood stabilizer Quetiapine. There um, were also theories that she died by suicide because of her struggles with anxiety and depression. Mm. So she had a Tumblr blog, Tumblr, Tumblr, oh my God. (laughs) She had a Tumblr blog where she documented her struggles and thoughts. And they go into that a lot more in the documentary, I remember. Um, There are other theories such that she was abusing drugs, maybe even getting them from locals in the hotel. No drugs were found in her system in the autopsy. Mm -hmm. The last theory is kind of bananas, but there was a tuberculosis outbreak at the time on Skid Row, a few blocks away, a Skid Row, of course, which is a few blocks away from the Cecil. Mm -hmm. Uh, The test for the type of tuberculosis that was going around was called the Lam Elisa, Lam Dash Elisa. Oh, I remember them talking about that. To be clear, it was not named after Elisa Lamb. That it just was coincidence. No, this is a coincidence. I I'm that, just, I wanted to bring it that up. it was Lamb Elisa. I just want yeah. to make sure that people yeah. were like crazy conspiracy theorists believed that she was used as some kind of bioweapon to take out the homeless population on Skid Row through tuberculosis infected water. She didn't have tuberculosis. Come on. Here's my thoughts on the whole Elisa yeah, Lamb case. Yeah, go for it. So I watched that documentary mm-hmm. and. They, I felt like they tried to sensationalize her case yes. because they were really playing up the whole paranormal aspect. Right. And and there are theories I didn't go into here because, like, the, remember the rocker guy that oh, they brought up? Oh. And he, like, it ruined his life and he was there, like, a year previous to her. So I just didn't even mention, I mean, I'm mentioning it now, but go watch the documentary. Right. And so when they were showing that elevator video, they go into a lot of detail about, is she talking to someone? Is she talking to a spirit? Like, there's this, all this stuff. Right. And then you finally get to, like, oh, she was on several medications. Right. She had stopped taking them. Yeah. Also, she was from Canada and visiting and had never been to Los Angeles before. Therefore, probably didn't know much about the area that hotel was in. Probably saw that it was it was within her budget. So she goes to this hotel not realizing that it's not in a great area mm-hmm. and is not familiar with her surroundings she stops taking taking her medications and i think they also mentioned like didn't she have a roommate in that hotel and they oh she did she was in like a kind of it was like a hostel sort of situation yeah. where and she had to be moved because she was being erratic because she was not taking the proper medication. medications and so that's the thing they're like well she was being erratic and all of these symptoms that you would experience if you suddenly just stop taking those medications everything. that really like, you know, and go hard on your brain. 
the thing, if I'm remembering correctly, where they go through the hotel, uh, an employee takes them through mm-hmm. the door to the outside, I believe, locked behind you if you walked outside. Yes, it did. So it's very possible she was just confused in trying to get to her room and, and in an altered state of mind, shall we say, when she's not on her medications and walked outside, couldn't get back in, possibly confused the water tank as like a fire escape she could climb up or another way to get in, mm-hmm. opened the thing thinking it was a door and fell in. Yes. I got crazy drunk one time in college and we had bunk beds mm-hmm. in our suite. I mean, they weren't bunk beds, but it was like your bed was high right. as though it was the top lofted bunk. Lofted beds. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lofted beds. There was no bed underneath, mm-hmm. but you had to use a ladder to get up to it. I had those two in my dorm. Yeah. And- it. Well, I liked it until I got really drunk Mm. and so drunk that I went into the bathroom, which was right next to the bedroom and climbed up onto the back of the toilet because I thought I was climbing up the ladder to the bed. Oh, no, Kate. And it was not the bed. (laughs) So when you were in, and I only bring this up not to like be funny, but no, to. But when you're in that state, and yeah. you don't, you don't know what's real and what, I mean, you're, it's like your brain is kind of grasping at anything. Exactly. Right? And so I think that it was an accidental I drowning. And that documentary, like I said, I, it just felt like they were grasping at straws to make this sensationalized case when really at the end of the day, it's just a really tragic case. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think uh, I hear I agree with you. I think that that's exactly what happened. But I was also going to say that I feel like this was also kind of coming at the height of like the armchair computer detectives mm. um, because there was success with don't fuck with cats. Yeah. Was that um, around the same time? Yeah, that oh, was around okay. the same time. So I think people like felt that they needed to help in some way. But it just hindered everything. Yeah. And I think it made it tough for a lot of people, especially the family who yeah. hasn't really talked about it. And I think that's kind of what I took away from that documentary was that this was all of the sort of conjecture around this tragedy, you know, done by people online on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it really just fucked it all up. Yeah. You know? I think um, people can always have the best intentions, but sometimes just yeah. like let authorities let it, let it do their job. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's the Elisa Lamb case. Mm-hmm. The Cecil Hotel has become a spooky icon in popular culture. Of course. Serving as the inspiration for American Horror Story Season 5 Hotel. Mm. Lady Gaga's in that. <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> she plays a vamp- vampire type character. Mm. That ran in 2015 and 2016, and creator Ryan Murphy noted that he decided on that theme after seeing the Elisa Lam elevator video. Yeah. And didn't they, maybe you talk about this, didn't they recreate the, they didn't want to film it in that building or they couldn't film oh, yeah, in that building? yeah, they didn't film it in the building. But they recreated to look exactly like the interior yes. of that building. Yeah, it does look exactly like it. Yeah. It's creepy. The hotel was also visited by famed Travel Channel ghost hunter Zach Baggins mm-hmm. <laughs> for ghost adventures. I, w- I 
I was like, ooh, this will be interesting. And I watched it. It's like an hour and a half special. I didn't you like it. Dis- I was going to say, I you really seem disappointed. Like it. I watched it and they prey heavily on Elise's murder. Or they pr- they think she was murdered. Oh. And there was some kind of supernatural element afoot. I disagree. Um, And they talk about the elevator game. They play the elevator game. And their premise is that an evil entity was to blame for her death. Because Richard Ramirez stayed there and was a self-proclaimed devil worshiper. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, well, he must have released the demons. Blah, her, blah, or blah. Or his ghost. And you know what's interesting is like I we talk about, you know, and they do some investigating and obviously have some experiences there and say sure. that it's haunted. But there's not a lot of reports of it being haunted from guests that yeah. I can find. I, if you know from, what I mean? From it, what I've heard of the Cecil, it's more just a lot of tragedy. It's a lot of tragedies that happen there and less of a like haunted yeah. location. Which it feels weird to kind of take all that and turn it into like a haunted. Also, I feel like Zach Bagans does that a lot yeah. where it's like he wants to, this is horrible. We're just like going to shit on ghost adventures, but there are a lot of times where it's like there's not a whole lot there, and so they kind of make they make it the story, yeah. and it's like, come on. I just it's you know I used to like shows like that, and I still will watch them sometimes. They're fun to watch. They're fun. I don't know. Um, this is my last paragraph, Kate. <laughs> okay, thank you for that the, announcement. Yes, just to let you know, uh, the last body was found at the Cecil oh. in 2015. Uh, of a man who may have committed suicide by falling or jumping off the building. Mm. The man wasn't identified. I couldn't find it. Oh, that's sad. The Cecil Hotel was purchased in 2014 by Richard Bourne. Simon Barron Development announced plans for a huge renovation, which would turn the Cecil into a blend of boutique hotel rooms and affordable housing. Again. Again, that doesn't work. Yep. Renovation was meant to be completed by October 2021. Uh, According to the Los Angeles Times, the Cecil Hotel reopened as a permanent supportive housing project in 2021 with 600 rooms reserved for LA inhabitants in need of housing. However, according to another article, most of those rooms uh, were still vacant as of early 2023. Mm. What is is it called now? Because did they change it from Stay on Main? Or is it still Stay on Main? I think it's still Stay on Main. I couldn't find, like, I went on Google Maps to look it up and... It's, it comes up as Cecil Hotel, but there's no, like, website or anything that's that it's attached to. Let me just take a little look here. Uh, no, not the Cecil Fireside Inn in Wisconsin, although that sounds delightful. Oh, fun. <laughs> Let's see what I can get. Yeah, it does come up as Cecil Hotel. It's a two-star hotel. Out of about 1,100 Google reviews, it's a 3.2 star. Mm. But it's been used a ton for filming. Yeah. Uh, takers. Oh, yeah. I just found this list. Is Are you looking at the IMDb list? Yeah. Takers. Kojak. Ooh. BuzzFeed Unsolved. Of course, they did an episode there. You two. They, where the streets have no name. They did their music, music video. video there. Ooh. But you can see it in like different productions because it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a featured I mean, part of totally. downtown. It's definitely an icon. Uh, I just clicked on a link that said it was like creepiest reviews of the Cecil Hotel. And then I went to the page and it was gone. And then I looked back and now that link doesn't even appear on here. That's weird. Spooky. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, that was interesting. I liked all that history. Yeah. 
It's a crazy story. Yeah. There's a lot that happened there. If any of you listening have been to the Cecil <gasps> or have stayed there, my goodness, uh, let us know. You scary. can do that by leaving a comment <gasps> on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at... Horrorwood Podcast. Or you can send us your story in an email because... We want to feature your stories on here. So let us know. Write it into a little email. Send it to horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And if you heard me mention in the beginning that our newest Patronian is going to be getting a little fall gift package, it's because we're sending those out at the beginning of October if you've signed up by September 1st, which you can do at patreon.com slash Horrorwood Podcast. Perfection. Thank you, Kevin. That was great. (gasps) Thanks, Kate. It was a fun research story. I found the history of the building and the area more interesting than I think the, like, murders. Yeah. That's all just horrible. I think think history is so fucking fascinating. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now let's go play the elevator game. Yeah.